Fuck me, that's a long 10 seconds. Can we start recording now? Just do it. Is that is it working? Go, go, yeah. go, go, go. Go, testing, testing, Eurotrash number 49. Welcome, you all, to us. We have a missing guest. We have a missing whim. I've brought a new iron. Dale's eating a chicken kebab, and Chris is hungover. Welcome to another Eurotrash 49. Uh, this is going to go downhill quickly. What? I did that pretty well. <laughs> Hello. I'm Wicked Clown. Hello. 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 He's Chris. He's Ben. And I'm me. He is. He is indeed him. But we're missing people. Oh, I heard someone's bell. Is that our guest arriving? <laughs> no, it's some, it's, that's someone on the bicycle. Sorry. <laughs> I shall put my phone on quiet. Yes, so. yes you should. Yes, you should. Because if you don't, I'm just going to SMS you constantly. Through <laughs> the show. No, SMS is R2D2. Ah. Yeah, no, I had real problems. That was email, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's an email coming. I had real problems with alerts over the weekend. Um, I was on my laptop, so my Gmail would pop up and go, you have a call in five minutes. And then two seconds later, my Outlook would pop up and go, you have a call in two minutes. Then my phone would go, bing, you have a call in two minutes. And then my fucking tablet would go, bing, you have a call. Yeah, no, it was just getting annoying. It was like a fucking disco in here. Right, so, so talking about disco, so are you DJing at Brooklyn then? This is the new rumours I've heard. <laughs> We're making out new rumours now. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. No, definitely no, no. I, I just bought a DJ deck so I can play with it. I didn't buy a DJ deck so I can DJ at Brooklyn. Uh, oh, in that case, I'm not going. <laughs> you really aren't going, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not going now. <laughs> <laughs> or because you're not DJing. Yeah, yeah, because that's the reason why you're not going. Yes. <laughs> so, so, let's do the interview then. Welcome the guest. <laughs> Oh, this is such a good Euro trash, this one. Oh, yes, it's gonna. I was gonna say it's gonna go downhill, but uh, to be honest, it's it's already pretty far down. It's already at the bottom, wasn't it? We started at the bottom. We're just someone, someone break out the shovels. We're actually pushing shit up a hill now. (laughs) (laughs) Like a dung beetle. Lovely. Anyway, let's let's talk about the announcements. Um, we already mentioned Brucon, so Brucon's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know who's gonna be there anymore. I've lost track. I'm going to be there. There you go. I know that. Um, of course you're going to be there. I'm not. But you're not going to be there. Come on. You're going to change your mind at that last moment. The first one I've not been at, I think. Yeah. I think I've been at everyone's by this one. Are we doing the 50th podcast? That broke up. None of us there. <laughs> well, we will be there. And he won't be ironing. So. I'll send my iron over for you. <laughs> my new iron. Cost me 125 quid. Ooh, big spender. That's a waste of money. No, it was half price. So it's not like It's not like you use irons anyway. I mean, do you iron your leather jacket? Should have got a wife, it was cheaper. <laughs> they're not, trust me. <laughs> when, when they break, they're very expensive to get fixed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> talking, talking of psychological damage. <laughs> B-Sides Vienna is coming up for uh, people who are uh, European inclined. Um, when yeah, I said that. I said I'd never do it again, but um, apparently three years was long enough to wait, so we're doing it again. Um, 22nd of November. Um, it's going to be fun. It's, it's, it's the day after Deep, um, Deep Sec, so uh, if you're um, visiting Vienna for Deep Sec, then make sure you stay an additional day, maybe even two, because, you know, Vienna's lovely. You know, it's all sunny, and you can drink what, cafe. November? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's not going to be sunny, but it's still going to be lovely, so... 
yeah um to come to b sides vienna if you want to talk then the cfp is still open so put forward all of your interesting zero day stuff um feel free to send me all of your um zero day proof concept code i will happily review it for you when is it um just out of interest is it free or is it tickets when the tickets go online or uh, no, there will be tickets, and they will be going online as soon as we announce the exact venue. So, should be going online in the next couple of weeks, certainly before BrewCon. So, that's my goal. Okay, cool. And yeah. 44Con on Wednesday. Yeah, so 44Con either on Wednesday or a week ago. Yeah, last week. On how long it takes us to edit this. So, yeah. I'll be there. So we should but... better say dates, shouldn't we, really? Wednesday the... Insert date here. Wednesday the September, yeah. Oh, that one second. Let me go to my calendar. I'll find out oh, with you. God. Oh, he's going to do... Uh, he's gonna uh, do training that. starts we tomorrow tell- on Monday, the 8th of September, leading through to the conference, starting on the 10th. I'm no, it starts on the 11th, but there's a community thing on the 10th on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah, well, we are so informed, you know. It's, it's amazing. I didn't think we were that well informed, but apparently we are. I'll, so. be, I'll be there on Wednesday, and I'll be doing stuff around there till Friday. Wonderful. Yeah, I was hoping to make it, but too much stuff. So, not going to make it. It's a pity. But hey, that's life. That's life. Dale, are you going? No. No? I, got, I sent someone else. You sent someone else? <laughs> <laughs> Why go yourself when you can send someone else? <laughs> oh, oh, to be in power. You, minion, go, go to this there. conference for me. Yes. Be my proxy. Uh, 40, um, Area 41 was my escape for the year, and then... Everything else is just too many other things going on to make, to get out. I was hoping to go to BrewCon, but just can't magic it up. Oh, and you didn't even go to Vegas, you slacker. Did you yeah. send someone? Did you send one of your minions? No. Oh, that's why I'm slackerish of you. <laughs> it may seem like we're stalling, but we, we are indeed stalling because um, our guest will be joining us in a couple of minutes. Oh, is he going to come on, is he? Yeah, he's, uh, apparently uh, my time zone maths is about as bad as uh, Wicked Clown's sense of humour. So let's jump into the news. Let's talk about the news. Um, we can always uh, we can always then go off and do the interview and then come back to the news stuff again. So news monkey, news monkey. Talk, talk about passwords. I remember a long time ago Bruce Schneer talking about uh, Schneer. Schneier. Whoa, whoa, Schneier. 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 Sorry, excuse me. Um, talking about passwords. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the the famous Bruce Schneer was uh, was, in, was indeed. <laughs> you say Schneer, I say Schneer. Okay, our, our guest has has now joined us, so let's bring him in before we talk about Bruce Schneer. Uh, let me add him to this call. This is going to be wonderful to edit. Hey guys. Hey, sorry about my time zone maths. Um, <laughs> no problem. I thought <laughs> cent- I thought Central European time was like the time that Central Europe was on. And apparently, yeah, I never understood exactly how the like how, like uh, Central European time is different from GMT is different from like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's difficult for me as well. <laughs> so yeah, time zone maths hard definitely. Um, I would highly recommend using Google in the future for that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks very much for taking the time to to, to join us. I'm going to totally massacre your name when I introduce you now. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Michael. Michael Oru. Yes. Wow, there you go. So close enough. Um, AKA Anti Snatcher um, on yeah. on the Twitters is and uh, various other things. Um, yeah. And the reason why we got got you back on the show because we we've talked to talked to you a couple of years ago now. I think it was. It's been. 
Yeah, but you remember that uh, you remember when we met in uh, in Vegas, yeah? Yeah, yeah, of course. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, we talked also two years ago, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, Vegas is one of those things where you either remember it or you don't. And if you don't remember it, it's <laughs> probably more fun. So <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but this time, um, you've you've actually written a book, which is an amazing accomplishment because um, thanks. What do you want to say? Well, I'm just trying to say, Wicked Clown, you are never going to write a book. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's true. Hey, man. <laughs> right, I'm dude. pretty sure my book would be more of a pamphlet. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Mine's toilet paper. <laughs> I've totally lost track of what I was saying. <laughs> now. Thanks. Thanks very much, Ben. Um, you've ruined everything. Um, <laughs> again. 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 Um, so, yeah, just for, for people who don't know what the book's about, maybe you can uh, jump a little bit in and tell us a little bit about the uh, the Browser Hackers Handbook. Yeah, sure. So, um, what is this book? This book is about uh, basically using the browser as a pivot point uh, to compromise targets uh, working entirely from the browser. So, instead of pivoting uh, from a machine, like uh, you compromise the machine, uh, you deploy your, uh, I don't know, Meterpet or whatever payload you like, and then you start to pivot from like uh, layer 4, you basically pivot from layer 7. So everything is, uh, all, all the stuff we are doing uh, are attacks that work uh, and can be launched via browser. A browser and basically its ecosystem. So plugins, uh, extensions, um, whatever interface with the browser. Um, what we try to do in the book is actually something uh, pretty unique, I would say, maybe because it's like, uh, still like uh, a research topic that is not really, uh, you know, very well researched so far. And is about uh, creating a methodology for attacks from the browsers. Um, so we, we try to create this kind of methodology where uh, you divide your attacking steps in categories. And uh, uh, as soon as you reach to a particular point, like for example, you have a same origin policy bypass, then uh, you can go to a path rather than another one based on uh, this methodology that we created. It's like all, all, all the stuff that we we researched uh, is not only our stuff. Uh, we mentioned a lot of work by others. So I guess the book is also a nice uh, kind of learning uh, guide. No, it's not one of those books where basically uh, like you read it, you don't understand anything, you don't have any references, and it's basically like just a, use, a useful book. But I, I, in my opinion, it's, it's pretty interesting for, even if you come from a like a very good background in web security, or even if you don't know that much, obviously it's going to be more difficult to understand, but given the amount of references and also the source code examples that are also on browserhacker.com, where you can just copy and paste them, uh, I think I, I think we did a, a good job on uh, spreading uh, the knowledge on, not spreading the knowledge, like collecting all the knowledge about this stuff in, in, in a book. Uh, I guess, yeah. And uh, before before we wrote this book, uh, there were there were two great books which still exist, obviously. The one from Michael Zalewski, The Tangled Web, and the one from Mario Haderich and other guys, uh, Web Application Obfuscation. And in my opinion, if you are really interested in, into this subject, so browser security or uh, also generally web application security, because it's like a big ecosystem where all these things are together. I guess you you should read all of them. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, I've read the other the other two books, Tangled Web and um, 
the uh, the obfuscation book and what struck me um, so much about the browser hackers handbook was it it didn't necessarily cover the same thing again i was imagining that you kind of okay i've read two books on this now this is probably going to cover quite a lot of stuff that's already been covered but it didn't really seem to to go over too much of the same stuff i mean there were some common threads in it but it just seemed like there's so much stuff that people don't know about browsers and really don't think about that uh, it's a it's kind of like a an entire subject in itself. It's it's not it's not something that goes along with web app pen testing because you could spend your entire career just looking at browsers almost. Yeah, very good point. That I think the main difference is that uh, is also, you, you can see the difference also in how uh, people uh, actually do pen test nowadays. So if you are using, for example, a client side exploit, you have a zero day in, uh, for example, Internet Explorer, you have a sandbox bypass. If you are targeting in Explorer 11, what most of mo most people do, they compromise uh, the machine itself. So they end up running code uh, after compromising the browser. So they have also lower access level, which is obviously great as you for you as an attacker. The point is that, uh, as you know, client-side exploits are difficult to develop. Uh, they are becoming more difficult to. It's, it's becoming more difficult to find like sandbox bypasses and bypass uh, DEP, ASLR, uh, have a memory leak uh, in order to do proper uh, uh, further exploitation. As now plugins are uh, not running by default, and for example, Java was used before for instead of memory leaks or without the need to have a memory leaks to add uh, to do some further exploitation. The problem is that uh, if, when you are not in that situation, so let's say that you have your uh, victim landing on your page or uh, uh, falling victim to an XSS, you can still do a lot of stuff, even if you don't compromise the browser itself. So as soon as you are able to run some code in that browser, bounded, bounded to that origin uh, with all the limitation of JavaScript, uh, and, uh, and and whatnot, uh, you can still do a lot of things. So you can start to you know enumerate the internal network in JavaScript, start some forescans in JavaScript with some techniques that is not obviously the same thing as doing a forescan with Nmap, but more or less we achieve the same results. Uh, and then you can start to basically, uh, instead of compromising that machine, you just use the browser as a pivot. You don't compromise the machine, but you, comp you try to compromise something uh, that is closed that that machine has access to. So, for example, an internal JBoss server, for example, an internal Glassfish uh, application server, whatever else that is vulnerable to remote command execution and uh, cross-site request forgery, basically. All those kind of attacks can be launched by the browser. So that's, I think, the main difference between those two books and this one, although obviously Zale, both Zalewski and Heydrich mentioned a lot what you can really do with XSS. And um, I, I think I'm not mistaken when I say that uh, it was Mikhail Zalewski uh, saying uh, a famous phrase like nowadays XSS is actually more important than uh, can be can, can do can be more uh, um, can do more damage uh, rather than a local period escalation. In, in, in fact, I think it's pretty much like that. So I think the main difference is that is the fact that in our, in our with our book we try to basically explain. Uh, like how you can still do things with browsers even if you don't compromise the browser itself. So I think this was the main uh, point. Well, one of the things that um, I kept thinking about when I was reading the book is it's very much a moving target um, because browsers are being updated so quickly now 
especially with things like Chrome, which are auto updating. You, when you were dealing with things like IE, it was two to three years before they would come out with a new version. They'd patch individual vulnerabilities, but there wasn't new features or new security features implemented. It was mostly just patching uh, yeah. code execution bugs. But now with Chrome, every single time there's a new release, they've changed things. They've disabled stuff, like ignoring autocomplete now. Um, so it, it seems to be a changing landscape constantly. And is, is, it, is it worth learning all this stuff only to realize that every browser that anyone's running on their desktop isn't vulnerable to any of this stuff anymore. Yeah, for sure it's, for, for sure it's still uh, interesting and useful to learn, especially because you could say the same thing as, you know, the ecosystem, the security ecosystem is evolving a lot with like memory corruption exploits. And the first time people, you know, released, when people start to adopt uh, other space layout randomization, many people uh, were like discouraged on doing additional research. They say, what the fuck? I mean, the memory addresses are always changed every time the process boots and and still you have memory leaks. So that that's the way you bypass it. So I think, you know, there, there will be new by, uh, uh, for example, think about the content security policy, new, uh, very cool stuff, but still is not widely, wi widely adopted. And uh, and when uh, initially it looked like pretty strong, and then uh, after like three four months, when people started to look into it, they started to found tens of bypasses. Same same thing with the same origin policy. Uh, with sandbox is a bit different, but still, you know, um, I, I I think that there will be always like it's always like a cat and mouse game, right? Like you know, you develop something great uh, as a, as a defender, then there is someone that is able to bypass it. And then it's always like this. Um, but what you said is definitely true in terms of like, it's very difficult to deal with it because mostly for two things. First, because vendors try to, not try, they actually uh, silently patch. So some, some of the bugs that people report either are not, uh, sometimes are not uh, added in the change list, or you see some kind of uh, changes or patches that are fixed, uh, mixed with other commits, uh, if they use G Git, for example, or SVN. So you, as an attacker, for example, it's not even easy for you to check what was the patch implementation sometime and, uh, and basically like get, get around it again. So, and also the fact that, as you said, uh, browsers uh, tend to out-update themselves right now. It's, you know, it's, it's not ideal as an attacker, but still, I think there is a lot more to, to research. For example, the stuff we covered uh, at the end in Chapter 10, um, yeah, it was pretty, I think that was pretty cutting edge. It was some research that Wade Alcorn started like in 2007 and then uh, we try to to continue with it. So, like launching, uh, so sending basically shellcode uh, from HTTP, targeting another protocol, and being able to actually, you know, run the shellcode in the target process, even if you know you send it through a different protocol. So uh, uh, that's one of the examples of things that people still, I guess, don't really get uh, in terms of like the potential. Obviously, in terms of like te technically speaking, it's pretty easy to understand. But I think the potential is still a bit misunderstood, and I hope that is gonna raise the bar, you know, for the future. Let's see. So I haven't um, read the book myself. I've used um, Beep in the past, and we've had discussions about that, which is yeah. an awesome tool. Um, 
how about um, does the book cover anything about kind of reconnaissance around kind of browser exploitation? So, you know, getting an analysis of you know, the browsers that are being used, you know, by the targets, and then when you kind of try and attempt code execution there, you try to identify, you know, what the, what the browser is and what what options you've got. I know obviously Beef's doing some of that for you, but does the book cover anything around kind of passive yes. recon or active recon? Yeah, it's mostly active recon. So as soon as you are able to uh, to to execute your JavaScript in the browser, basically you can start to do fingerprinting. So you can basically fingerprint exactly browser version, browser type, operating system most of the times, uh, architecture, which is helpful for your shell codes, um, plugins, extensions, and uh, everything else that basically the browser leaks, leak or uh, uh, using some you know techniques that you discovered that are uh, still not public. So the, there is an entire chapter actually about uh, fingerprinting and uh, reconnaissance, um, which is chapter uh, half of the chapter six and part of the chapter three. So yeah, I mean, uh, there are so many things that obviously when you are able to run some JavaScript code in a browser, um, you are basically able to do fingerprinting. The best way to fingerprint uh, a browser is combining like user agent, which obviously can be spoofed very easily, DOM, the document object model properties, which can be spoofed again. And then if you combine these two with also uh, browser parsing bugs, which are basically bugs that will never be fixed, like Internet Explorer, for example, thinks that the, the character V, like the letter V, is, the same, is equal to the vertical tab. And that's a bug that is only in Internet Explorer. So if, if you combine, for example, these, uh, these three techniques uh, and someone spoofs the user agent and the DOM properties, but you still see, for example, with this quirk, uh, that the quirk actually works, you can be sure that, oh, the guy, maybe this dodgy guy, is trying to let me think that his browser is not Internet Explorer while he actually is. So yeah, there are plenty of... Uh, uh, techniques and uh, um, analysis that we do based on this, like fingerprinting and reconnaissance. Now, it's a little tips like that that I find really handy in books. How about um, when it comes to active recon in a browser situation? Kind of speed is is one thing. You know, if you lose kind of focus. So, how about kind of techniques or tips to kind of keep that focus or persistence, so that someone you know isn't navigating away or doing something before you've actually kind of got some answers to some of the questions you're trying to get in that short period of time? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, it depends on uh, how you are attacking. So obviously the, the most difficult situation is a complete remote uh, kind of scenario where, uh, for example, you are in London, I am in Poland and uh, I don't have any physical access to not physical. Like, for example, let's say that uh, um, I am in the same network as you are, so I can I can do some R spoofing, man in the middle, then basically I can inject my beef hook in every response that comes back to your browser. So in that case, the persistence problem that you mentioned uh, is not real effectively. And obviously that's the best situation you can be when you can basically manipulate like low HTTP traffic. Then if you are not in that situation, so again, like a remote kind of attack, um, there are ways, obviously, uh, to maintain the persistence. So, for example, uh, you can spawn, for example, a pop under 
although recent browsers uh, block pop-up and pop-unders, still if you what you want to do is just keeping the victim attached to your uh, uh, for example b server and not on the origin of an xss for example if you don't care about that you can spawn a pop under which is completely invisible because uh, you can spawn it even selecting the um the the current position of the window so even if your windows is not in full screen you can still spawn it exactly behind and uh, you can bypass every pop under and pop up blocker just like rewriting uh, uh, adding for example very a very simple case like you add on click event to some uh, for example to the body of the whole page so wherever the, the and then and then with css you put the body uh, like exactly in front, for example, using Z index or other CSS properties. So in that case, for example, you bypass the pop under because the real user click is actually that one that clicks on wherever the body is. So in basically in the whole window. So that's a very easy trick, for example, to spawn the pop under. And then even, the, even if the victim close all the current uh, tabs that she sees in the main foreground window, the pop under will be always active. Another couple of techniques are, for example, like um, uh, many in the browser where uh, um, uh, what you do is basically is you override the, the functionality of the page as you have control, for example, with an XSS in this case. You have an XSS, so you have control over the whole origin according to the same origin policy. Without violating the same origin policy, what you can still do is actually for example, if you see that the, the, the site is doing a lot of Ajax calls, you can override, you can do prototype overriding of the Ajax, uh, of the XML HTTP request object. And every time, for example, something happens in uh, with Ajax calls, you can intercept and you can basically do whatever you like. So in, if the user clicks, for example, on a link, a href link that points to a, a third domain, uh, so a different origin, in normal situation, the user would lose, uh, sorry, you'd lose uh, the hook because uh, the user goes in another origin without using again another XSS. So basically, in that case, you lose the hook. But if you um, modify basically either the HTML or the JavaScript of the page, you can still say, okay, no, when you load this, uh, third party origin instead of going there uh, in the in the same tab uh, for example spawn a new tab and then basically um, the browser will go on the other tab and leave the current tab still open obviously if the user doesn't close it. Um, there are other like tricks uh, tips and tricks like uh, Overriding the, the like, for example, the browser default way to uh, to handle window close, um, so you can annoy the user with like pop-ups uh, in a way that she it doesn't close the tab. Um, using overlay frames, so for example, uh, let's say this is actually a nice example. So if you have, for example, a cross-site scripting vulnerability uh, post authentication, so after the user already logged in. Uh, you can actually, as you have control of the of the whole origin, what you can do is uh, you load the login page. Let's say that the login page is the same origin and is not like a different domain or subdomain. You load the login page in an overlay iframe, so an iframe that covers the whole page without borders, and then you can attach a JavaScript keylogger key logger to it. 
and then basically the user is effectively already authenticated. But what he sees in an iframe is actually the login page. So he's going to put his credentials. You get the credentials through the JavaScript keylogger because the iframe is loaded from the same origin. And then at the same time, it's going to still, after the login, basically the background page is still like the post-authenticated page vulnerable to XSS. But what he sees, unless it doesn't close the tab, is going to always stay inside the iframe. Or if he types a different URL, it's going to leave as well. But yeah, there are some techniques uh, to do this. It's probably one of the most difficult parts, um, to be honest, to manage. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad to hear there's some of that stuff covered. One one thing I had a question for you about because you, you mentioned it. I know the book isn't about you know it's not the beef book, and I'm sure there's other stuff covered in there. You mentioned about obviously you know the the beef hook itself. Have you? I guess one question is both your experience and any comments around, especially on the outside. So if you're not you know if you're not on the same network, if people are trying to put you know beef hook in there, you know phishing sites or whatever, though you know the actual hook.js being detected by either, you know, sometimes Chrome, so you know, browser-based you know, phishing identification, as well as sites classifying that as a phishing site. Do you cover anything on that in any of the book or general mm. comments? Yeah, we don't cover that in the book, but uh, general comments uh, for sure. So uh, this was like maybe two years ago. So when we started to basically add some like obfuscation layer to beef, so, for example, like early, back in the days, you, you after uh, uh, in, originally beef was PHP. Then, like three three years and a half ago, we started the completely rewrite in, in Ruby. So, back in the days, for example, the beef server was easily identifiable because the server HTTP uh, response header was always returning beef, and that was one of the first things that we did, changing that obviously to basically uh, minimize the, the likelihood that if you run a beef server, uh, you get like uh, identified. So now you can change the name of the hook. You can obviously, you can emulate Apache or IIS uh, by default. You can just choose and uh, default like four or four pages or other pages basically are like Apache or IIS. Uh, you can obfuscate the JavaScript in, with using like different obfuscation chains, uh, and then uh, you can also completely change like the the mount point of the main admin admin user interface, which is something that people were asking for. So yeah, it's basically like pretty much pretty much invisible uh, unless someone starts to analyze obviously the the JavaScript because even if it's obfuscated. A, a, a good manual analysis will always uh, result with you know what is real really behind. But uh, when that happened, I guess it's too late. Okay, and that's that's because here I wasn't aware of some of those pieces. What's the best place for people to look to learn about some of those more you know current features around? Well, you know, change the name of the hook and some of the obfuscation techniques. Have you, is it on the, the GitHub? Uh, um, I, I let me check. I don't think we have it in the wiki. To be honest, we need someone that uh, helps us with documentation, <laughs> like you know every open source project. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think that the best way to do it is actually like you 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 clone the Git the, the the beef Git repository. You go through the main configuration file because most most of the stuff is there, and then basically most of the stuff that I mentioned is configurable through the main config.yaml configuration file. There are, and that's all commented as well. 
so otherwise people can ping me on Twitter. I know documentation for beef is not the, yeah, the best, but the code is well commented. <laughs> yeah, excellent. No, I'll check that out. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Perhaps I'll do a post or something on it. Once I but something, it. Something, <laughs> something that I remember now that you mentioned that, uh, uh, like some... Uh, some friend of mine told me that Google started to to do some like regexes on because basically uh, we were using always uh, like the, the we are using global variables which is not ideal but uh, the main global variable is called beef obviously if you enable obfuscation that's the first thing that gets changed uh, like pseudo randomly with like non nonsense variable names but uh, I've heard from someone uh, that basically Google uh, started to, to block uh, like uh, not JavaScripts in general, but like JavaScripts that were loaded inside Chrome extensions. Because one of the, like back in the days we, when we had some modules for Chrome extension exploitation where, for example, you can create your malicious extension uh, with backdoored with a beef hook or before they implemented the CSP inside Chrome extension. Most, a lot of Chrome extensions were vulnerable to XSS, which was resulting in uh, running code in a different privileged zone. So I remember that uh, someone told me that, yeah, Google was regexing for like JavaScript uh, files with beef in it before we started to add uh, obfuscation. So I'm not sure now if they're still doing it or, or not, uh, if they are using a, a smarter approach, but yeah. I've heard, yeah. I've heard about people doing that. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing that before. Um, so I definitely check it out to try those options out that you mentioned in the configuration file. Thanks, Excellent. Man. Cheers. Yeah, yeah I've got uh, just a couple of questions. Um, it's pretty much, it was already mentioned and covered it already. Um, so I'm going to go back and revise. But um, I was playing with um, Beef um, not too long ago, about a month before Black Hat DEF CON. And um, I was having great success with ie8 and early versions of browsers around that time but when they were being fully patched and running i was actually not getting um much success um is it what you said um uh, before by like going for the config file and checking other plugins uh, is there a way to get more success on the later browsers than the earlier ones well what do you mean by more success um, f um so when i send um like just using beef at the box um I would send it against like um, IE8 and it would uh, exploit that quite happily. Um, I was able to inject the iframe and stuff and get my code execution. But when I went, um, used it against like um, IE10, I would, it wouldn't be as reliable. I would have a um, bit more issues in trying to, I get the basic, I get like the um, recon bits, I get the recon of the um, PC and what's on, what's running and version of IE, uh, but I wasn't able to actually exploit the box fully. Uh, I think it's more down to my um, ignorance of not using beef um, to its full extent. Uh, but I just wonder if it's uh, if you if um, if it's works better with um, if you had any issues with later browsers than earlier browsers. Um, maybe, maybe you you when you used like uh, maybe you were you you was running beef with the Metasploit integration, and I remember that uh, uh, like months ago we had. Uh, at least a couple of months when we didn't notice a bug that was basically like uh, preventing beef 
to run properly between the exploit. Okay. So that 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 might have been the issue. And if you if you go in the GitHub uh, issue tracker, there is a specific moment where I patched that. But uh, yeah, we had uh, some issues with that. So probably that was the one that you was uh, mentioning. So like. It was if you are, if you, yeah, like uh, the, 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 basically, like beef and metasploit are integrated in a very like simple way, where that, that that's where basically you load the hidden iframe, and then the hidden iframe that is loaded like is created via beef, then it loads uh, the metasploit uh, proper exploit, like that is binded to another like metasploit web server, and and that's it. So I think it was probably due to the fact that there was this bug in beef. Um, a couple of months ago. Okay, it's probably. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll revisit it now and update. It said um, I, it's just a project, a small drone stack work, and um, I wanted to use Beef to see. And like I said it was like working for other stuff, but it was using Metasploit as well. So it's probably in a, 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 um, part of that issue. Uh, and my last little question: um, How does Beef work with um, mobile devices like Android and um, those browsers on the mobile devices? Yeah, we don't have much. Like we don't have a lot, a lot of attacks. Uh, we we still uh, we are still able to, to fingerprint them uh, pretty easily. But uh, I would love to see like more people getting involved and adding more uh, like client side exploits for for mobile. To be honest, it's, it's an area of research that is, that has a lot of. Uh, Lot of potential, uh, especially because like mm, mobile browsers are not exactly the same. Even if they run, for example, the same like WebKit engine, for example, in Android, still they are not exactly the same as the browser that runs on the desktop. And uh, a demonstration of this was the recent Syscan uh, uh, presentation about iOS from some Polish friends of mine. Uh, where he basically like demonstrated a lot of same origin policy bypasses that were working only on mobile browsers, but were already patched, uh, most of them in, in desktop browsers. So, unfortunately, there is not much. There was some work. Uh, uh, actually, there is like a, a full like exploit category in Beef for the phone gap mobile framework, which is uh, something that. Uh, a lot of people use to create a, like uh, HTML5 application. So, but that um, if you are not using obviously PhoneGap, that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. But some people that were doing research on that and they added a lot of exploits on it. But yeah, generally speaking, we mostly fingerprint them, and uh, and and basically that's it. We have some modules, but nothing uh, too fancy, to be honest. Okay, that's cool. Okay, that's be done. Thank you. Well, I guess the one of the problems with the mobile stuff is it's kind of hard to do things like pop unders and things like that as well. So some some oh, of the basic so functions are just is not not going to be the same and not going to work on mobile devices. Also, yeah, exactly. Also, like most of the mobile browsers, for example, when you manage tabs, tabs are not like the, the desktop browser. So like when you if you have like two tabs open uh, and you have the like the first tab is the one you see and the second one is the one that is like not actually seen and used. Uh, unfortunately, that second tab, if it's hooked via beef, but the user is not watching at it in most of the mobile browsers, uh, you have no luck. So it's a completely different thing. Uh, I would love to see more people actually getting involved on this. So I had um, a last question that's semi-related to the book. 
What was yeah. the what was the hardest thing about writing the book? So we, if we oh. about, you know, I don't want. I'd like to write a book, but it's going to be too hard. I don't have the time. So just for someone who did it, what was, what was the hardest thing about putting that together and making the time? Not yeah, the probably, probably, probably the time. Like the, 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 the we. So we spent about a year writing it. Um, and uh, to be honest, the time was probably like the, the bigger constraint because uh, at least me personally, I was not working fully on the book. I have, I have another job. I'm not writing books to get money. <laughs> so time was definitely something, uh, probably the bigger, the bigger thing because uh, you end up uh, writing uh, in, during weekends, during nights, and, uh, and it's not a case that one of the first, like the first person not always gets like uh, a thanks in the book is always like your partner because they need to cope with it. But um, other than that, um, well, for me was also, for me and the other, uh, for, for me and Wade and Christian, uh, it was for us uh, a completely new challenge. So we never even thought about writing a book. So it was all a, diff a new and different and, and, and different thing from, we never we never tried it before. So I guess time um, and also well the stress of you know the fact that you need to do research, you need to write code, you need to write in in English, which is not as you can hear my mother tongue. And so all these things combined together uh, were it was not an easy thing to do, but uh, once it's finished, uh, you really appreciate it. So yeah, I would I would say time because if you have like unlimited amount of time you can do for sure like a better book um, and um, yeah especially the fact that uh, this topic about browsers uh, as Chris said earlier is like you know a very challenge a very uh, fast moving kind of ecosystem uh, was another big uh, challenge for us because we had to remove content that was patched and uh, and pretty useful uh, pretty useless uh, if published and uh, like a lot of attacks, a lot of SOP bypasses have been removed and not published mo mostly for it. Um, so yeah, difficult, <laughs> but nice to have it at the end. I imagine one of the, the biggest challenges aside from the time must be that, like you said, it, you're kind of working on it for a year and obviously over that period of time, you know, you're learning more, you're discovering more, things are changing, new things are becoming you know, possible things that worked before are becoming no longer possible due to changes. So how do you, how do you kind of draw the line and say, look, okay, things are changing all the time, but we just need to focus on this or that, as opposed to just constantly saying, right, okay, we need to rewrite chapter two because something's changed and that stopped working. So it's not, you know, you're kind of out of date before you've finished, aren't you? If you're not. You know, oh yeah, like uh, I guess like uh, like maybe four months before we finished. Um, we said uh, we draw that line that you mentioned. So we said like no more uh, additions, which require like uh, days of, of like uh, research and um, just like let let's get it done. Uh, that that it it was pretty hard because uh, yeah, as you said, like they were patching a lot, uh, things were changing, but uh, at a certain point you need to draw the line. Like uh, it, I think it's like the, the the bigger constraint is actually the the publisher at the end of all, because if the publisher says one year by the contract, then they can always say yeah, a couple of months more maybe. But uh, yeah, if they it, it depends with the publisher 
<laughs> let's say. <laughs> I don't want to add anything else <laughs> about the publisher. Wise, wow. very wise. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for people who are interested in finding out a little bit more about the book, um, grabbing a copy of it, um, there's a, a companion website that goes along with, uh, with the book. Yes, yeah. browser uh, uh, browserhacker.com https double slash browserhacker.com Great, so, and if people want to pick it up then they can pick it up from, from Amazon or all good bookstores. If, if, they don't, if they don't have the book, they're not a good bookstore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the way I, I don't know. I don't know if foils uh, in UK they have it because I had to leave uh, UK uh, before my book was out. To be honest, but if you well, you are all in in UK, I guess. So you should check it out if foils has a copy of it or not. Well, I'm still waiting for the uh, German translation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's never going to happen. At least, well, in German, I don't know, but in Italian, for sure not, because. Uh, uh, they asked me and I said, no way. <laughs> get, get someone else to translate it. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then you know, you don't trust the translator, so I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get some weird translations, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to uh, the second revision, which I'm sure, I'm sure oh, you're working I, on. I, not, 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 not right now, but uh, yeah, I was thinking to write another one in, in a couple of years, because uh, let me add last thing uh, that... Something that um, I think not it lacks, not that it uh, is lacking in our book, but um, something that I really would would have loved to to, to delve deeper uh, was like fuzzing and uh, well, like you know, proper uh, like exploitation in terms of like low level exploitation with all the techniques and tricks. But then again, we just, we we mentioned obviously like 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 the JM Alloc research. Uh, from from my Greek friends and other people, but um, definitely the, a second edition will will have more uh, hardcore, uh, let's say, material. Which, uh, to be honest, we didn't have time <laughs> uh, to add. So yeah, one of the things when you end up uh, writing a book is is that you you will realize after three four months that you missed uh, things, no, uh, like not not because you 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 wanted to to miss them, but just because you didn't have time to add them or you know you thought that it was not that cool and then instead uh, it looked like a cool attack so yeah N maybe in a couple of years there will be a next edition we'll see <laughs> great and if people want to want to follow you or the beef project where can they find more information so twitter is anti-snatcher for me beef project for the for the beef project um and then uh, well, the main site is beefproject.com, which has all the links to basically where the beef project is. So the, most of the information is anyway on uh, on on GitHub uh, and the main uh, uh, beef repository in GitHub. So um, actually, let me use this uh, let let me use this um, this call just to to have like a call for uh, help in terms of at least documentation. So if you if you if you if guys you were listening to me and uh, you like beef or like web application security you want to contribute to an open source and uh, no profit i can assure you <laughs> a project um and especially for documentation if you are keen to do it uh, let me know because uh, we definitely need uh, people writing documentation and people writing writing code of course but documentation mostly 
Great. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, you're happy. You're perfectly uh, happy to, to stick around while we uh, talk about the news stories if uh, if you want. But I know it's kind of late, so. Uh, oh sure, I will stay at least like twenty minutes for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so all this talk about beef has started to make me really hungry, and um, yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> I can imagine. Thank, thanks for having me, guys. No, thanks for coming on. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you very Especially much. Especially after being on before. You know how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you knew it wasn't going to get any better than the last time. It was, it was only going to be worse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Ben, um, news. Yeah, where do we get up to with the news beforehand? <laughs> we, we, we got up to basically... Um, uh, saying the title of you know saying passwords and say Microsoft just said give up and that was pretty much all we got, so. yeah so, so we should we should all give up now and just go home um, yeah Microsoft um, they said uh, that you shouldn't worry about um, complex or strong passwords um, after reading the article you know you read it and go what the fuck um, but they actually do make a lot of sense it's no point having um, strong and complex passwords and forcing the users to come up with these really cool passwords when you don't actually have any real security mechanism inside your organization that actually will stop, will prevent people from hacking the passwords. There's no point having um, a real nice complex password if it's in plain text or unsalted um, or if you can download it for offline attacks. So, um, yeah, so companies out there who force people to have strong passwords um, should look at more, make sure that the password is actually more protected than uh, worrying about the users having complex passwords so yeah but the, the problem that i see with with that statement is that microsoft uh i, I guess they, they do have a point yes there's no point if, if i have a password and it's stored in plain text then if the attacker can get it then they can get access to my account but the only thing i myself as an end user can affect on a web application or a website that i need to log on to is how good my password is i can't say oh, you're storing it in clear text, because I don't know that data. I don't know if they're using an unsalted SHA-1 or an MD5 at the back end, or if they're encrypting it with a static key. All I know is the only thing I can affect is how good that password is. I agree. Um, I'm not saying you should just have an easy guessable password that you can just guess, but um, it's but like so the, the strength meters, it says how strong your password is. Um, if you have like uh, a, slack, a, a password that is complex-ish, but you don't have to like sit down and work out a really complex, heavy-duty password when they can just get the file and go crack it within, or even see the password. Um, so it's I think the article was worded badly, uh, saying you know give up the on using complex passwords. But they do make sense by that. Um, it's part of the problem is not just the complex as people put into passwords in, it's that the organisations aren't looking after those passwords correctly. Yeah, I think I think all of these web applications next to the strength bar, they should have a little text box that says, "This is how we're protecting your password." Yeah, and and it's just like, if 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 that box says we're storing it with an unsorted MD5, then you have the ability to then turn around and say, "Then I don't want an account on this website." Yeah. So it should yeah. be it should be say like it should like even show you what your password you're typing in or give you a guess or say you know this is how easy the bad guys are going to crack our password because we're shit. So. Um, that should be in there. But talking about... Yeah, sh- I'm pretty sure they're not going to do that, but yeah. Well, Virgin Media does. Uh, actually, some of the strongest password boxes that I've I've been through in recent time uh, have, have been for like online gaming stuff. It's it's all... 
like a password, a couple of throwaway passwords that I use for stuff that really doesn't interest me at all, just just to get past the, the logon box. Um, and usually it comes up as very secure. But for gaming app, gaming uh, websites and, and, and online gaming and stuff like that, you, you'll type it in and it'll be like, yeah, it's okay. It's not as good as it could be. That's run by okay. geekers. They know yeah, the exactly. score. Yeah. They know how, how easy it is to hack the shit out of you. So. They can just guess. They can use beef to inject and get a key login and, a, exactly. and steal a password. You're making me hungry again. Stop it. How's, how's the, uh, the chicken kebab, Dale? Gone. 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 Come on, I, I want to go and cook some food now. I'm really hungry. <laughs> right, let's drag this on a bit. I can hear. So, let's talk about wankers. Wankers, yeah. Virgin Media, um, talking about passwords, um, they decided in the almighty wisdom that um, certain passwords were bad. Um, if you actually go onto the web, the link, we'll put the other link on, um, their Virgin have actually seemed to have removed the passwords in there, um, but you can actually see it in the web archive. Um, they said that certain words shouldn't be in passwords, which, fine, I can accept ABC123 shouldn't be, it should be a bad password, but you know, if you got the word like cock and cunts and dickhead and fart and fuck you and um, homo, hooker, like loads of loads, loads of words. I'm learning new words all the time. Um, you know, rape. I, I understand. Rapist. Go on, bleep me out this time, bastards. Rent boy. Um, I'm saying this all for reasons. Oh, so, but you're basically looking through the JavaScript. Yeah. yeah. Was so, running. But yeah. things just like, what's, what's so bad at having a swear word in your password? The reason I reckon. It's culture. It's, no, no, it's organizational culture. No, no, this is this is my personal belief, and I'm pretty sure you're, Virgin. You're wrong, man. I'm you calling Virgin Atlantic out because they do send your password in clear text. Is that they don't want people reading your password and be offended by your password. That's what I reckon it is. So they're not. It's, it's all in clear text. So yeah. Virgin, you're a wanker. You're a cock. You're a cunt. You're a dickhead. You're a dong. You're a faggot. You're a fart. What's a finian? Yeah. Let's just call them rent boys and move on. Yeah. So. Yes. So yeah, definitely have a look at the list. I mean, I think the idea is good. I think, to be honest, that list is is just crap. And the fact they send stuff in clear text, okay, no, it's completely unacceptable. But I think all websites should have something like this, maybe that links to the last last couple of years of password breaches to say that password you sele- just selected you yeah, is, is, is already out there. It's in everyone's password list. Don't use it. Yeah, so that would be a better solution. You know, have like the rock you. I said rock you, not fuck you. Um dictionary list well, uh, maybe this is like the first phase of it and maybe you know but this, we've screwed it up for them but my, my view of this is that it's a password match so it's actually um so you can't have that word plus so you can't have bastard 69 so you have so it's, it's just matching those words in that password list so you, you can't pad it out once you get, get created though isn't it b at sign five see yeah yeah, so elite speak it all. It's the way to go. Oh. Yes, I'm just you're, really. You're, I'm du- just, you're doubly cool then. I'm just really depressed that I couldn't use clitoris as my password on their website. <laughs> yes, I would highly recommend going through that list. Uh, also, dongs. Yes. So you could have like, um, ask cock, fart, gay, and it'll be blocked because you're using too many words. It's just disgusting. But that'd be a really hard password to crack if you put all that in a big password list. No, it wouldn't be. Because they're individual words. No, no, so... but if you put it all together. Yeah, no, but in, for the, if but... the individual words are all in a dictionary, then people are people are more advanced than that. Attackers are more advanced. They're using multiple words strung together. Yeah, but this is what I'm re- in the, the regular expression is actually saying that you can't have that in that list, that word 
in a sentence or a password. So you can't have R69. Well, that would just totally screw up Dan Kaminsky's passwording scheme because he couldn't have fuck Virgin Media as yeah. his password. Exactly. Yes. Moving swiftly on. Yeah. Talking about twats. London police. Okay. Not twats. <laughs> do, do we need a reason? Or I mean, I, I don't. I don't think we need a reason. Uh, I don't want to be jumping. I've experienced, I've experienced this firsthand. It's marvelous. Um, the London police are saying that uh, with um, online fraud, uh, the police are pretty much helpless to um, protect people because um, it's. This is like I don't know the reason why this is. This, People are talking about it now because it's obvious. Uh, but because the Nigerian prince that lives in Nigeria but actually comes from um, France and is trying to steal uh, hard-earned English money, um, he's uh, you can't going really, on about French people again. <laughs> you, you can't really do them because they're in a different country from the UK. So um, wow, yeah, and and now they've only just realised this. Yeah, that's the only reason. Like, the internet is a bit larger than um, Manchester. Yes, so, or London. Sorry. Hello, so, we we are from the internet. Yeah, we, yeah. We are from Glasgow. Well, this is but this is exactly the same as as, as physical crime. I mean, if, if someone if someone from the continent comes over on a ferry, breaks into a house, steals something, goes back goes back to France, as as you would say, Ben, um, they're they're still not in the country anymore. There's there's things that are put in place for countries to work together to deal with those kind of issues. It shouldn't be that hard for them to same kind of things to be put in place to deal with uh, online issues the problem is obviously half of the time they don't know where and we're coming from because all the traffic comes from china um but it doesn't necessarily mean they're in china it just means everyone's using the free chinese proxy service because exactly exactly you know it's hard you know the but there again they've got the resource and also they don't understand i think because i've had situations before where that's some online scams and actually gathered all the information and give it to them and they've said to me I haven't got the time and resources to look into it. So even though you hand stuff over, all the information, nothing happens. It's very frustrating. But to be fair, um, I think the police actually said that even with physical crime in the UK, um, that they haven't got time to fix it and you should solve your crime yourself. So, yeah, I mean, they haven't, they haven't even... Uh, get arrested them. They haven't even finished uh, finding that Jack the Ripper guy yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually... Um, I'll find the link. It's on the BBC website that's saying that um, the police are actually saying they don't actually have time to f- fix like um, crimes, people break into your home. They said you should uh, do your own investigation, ask your neighbours, check stuff out, see what's going on um, in the area. And then, it, sounds like, it sounds like a really, really bad plan. Yeah, and they said the, well, the last best thing is don't arrest anybody, don't threaten anybody. So, well, you know, do the investigation hard work and then go, there you go, it was him. And then the police won't do fuck one anyway. <sighs> I think that's the worst thing is that you could, even if you had some slight competency to do some form of investigation, the chances of them taking that seriously and acting on it are uh, pretty much zero. So it's just a waste of time, exactly. unfortunately. Basically, we're all screwed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Come on, let's move on to some good news. We have some good news. It's your story next. Yeah, Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft, in, in a uh, surprise, um, you know, they're actually being reasonable for a, for a change. They've actually defied a U.S. court order to give access to emails to the U.S. government, um, which is uh, certainly an interesting move. I mean, they're a U.S. company, and they're being told by the U.S. government that they need to hand over emails stored on their servers. Um, but things that uh, I believe that the emails they're looking to hand over are actually not U.S. emails. They're European emails, but they're housed in the U.S. So 
I kind of think it's, it's interesting that uh, Microsoft have taken this stance. I think it's great they've taken this stance to say that things like this shouldn't just immediately be accepted and go through. It's, there's, there should be a greater degree of privacy for, for their users. And I, I think it's interesting that they're standing for it. I don't see them winning, but I think it's interesting that they're standing for it. But how much do you trust them? So actually, this is true. Um, well, they're, they're filing an appeal and going through the, the process. So. Yeah, but could they just say in this just to uh, make uh, them look better instead of saying, yeah, we give everything over to the uh, US agencies because we do that? Well, yes. Yeah, they could be lying. There again, so could uh, everyone in all of the news stories we're talking about right now. The the UK police force could be lying and they could be catching all of the online criminals, but it doesn't seem very realistic, does it? No, but like, Microsoft's such a big organisation where they're trying to cover themselves up more than um, um, yeah, they're trying to cover themselves up. They're, they're dealing with um, like people they said stuff to the NSA and whatnot, um, so they could risk just doing this to say, look, we're not doing this, we're being good, blah, 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 you can have trust in us again. Um, but look on pace, but all the information you need is there. Yes. Well, yeah, that's possible, but I think it's it's in Microsoft's own best interest to be fighting for this kind of stuff, you know, because the US at the moment are saying, if you're a US company, we can provide you with a, um, with a court order in the US to provide us with data that are held by your company, even if that data isn't held within the US. So in this in this specific case, this is data held in a data center in Ireland. Um, so any company in the US would be forced by US law to hand over data that's stored in Europe. That's completely unacceptable. And by privacy laws in Europe, that's not something that, that can be accepted. So you, at Microsoft are in the hard situation of sitting in the middle of it and saying, we're a US company and the US say we need to do this, but European law says we can't do this. So they want to fight it. They don't want to be stuck in the middle of this, this legal issue. They don't want to be stuck in the middle with everyone in Europe saying, no, 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 you can't do this. And everyone in the US saying, no, you have to do this. I mean, lots of companies are going to have to go through exactly the same kind of issue. And if Microsoft bows to it now, then it sets a bad precedent. So I think they don't want to set that precedent. Sure. And yeah, you're right. They need good PR because, well, Microsoft have never really had good PR, have they? No. No. So yeah, it, I think it's a good thing. I really hope they win. And I hope that the, the president is set to say um, that the U.S. have to jump through the hoops they have to jump through. And if that if the data is stored in Ireland, then they need to go to court in Ireland and do it and follow the rules of the where that data is stored. Because otherwise you can never trust anything. You know, even if you go to Amazon Cloud and you say, I want all of my clouds in, in Europe, you because know, I don't want anything to be in the U.S. because U.S. data centers are not secure against uh, having their data taken, having their data seized. It doesn't matter. Amazon are a U.S. company, so they'll, they'll be forced to hand over your European data. Amazon don't want that either. So I think there's a lot of companies that will be standing behind this. And uh, It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, like I said, because of the laws in different lands. They have to um, respect and obey those laws. America's not that big to say, you know, we're going to invade Ireland. America, America are the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're the superpower. They've got the big red button. Turn off. Because <laughs> America. Yeah. Yes. Um, saw a wonderful poster in the week. Um, I thought I'd share it with you guys. I won't go too much into it, but um, the link's in the show notes. Uh, Popping Shell on the Oculus Developer Portal um, was kind of a nice run-through of a bug bounty um, program where they go from um, blind SQL injection in the X-forwarded 4 header, which is a header that I really like. Um, 
and uh, using that to inject um, blind SQL injection and then jump from that to, to full-on admin access in the console and then shell access. So um, if you're into penetration testing and you like little weird quirky bugs that you might not have tested for in your web applications, this is definitely one to read. So, uh, and it's got, you got a lot of money for it as well. He did. I think he got $30,000, $15,000. And then 5K for every... The yes. SQLs, so uh, the he reported four bugs. So in the end, he got like thirty thousand dollars, which is uh, it's not a bad payday. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But it's a good read. It's nice because it's it's, um, it's not one of those really complex ones where someone has like jumped for a thousand hoops to do something. It's actually a very simple and easy exploit and attack that he did. Very comp- very good one. But it's not like rocket science, if that makes sense, which just suits me down to a T. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's um. It, it's good to have a walkthrough and say. You know, this is stuff that we should be checking. So, cool. Dale, I think this last one's yours. Yeah, no, just when I came across in the week that I thought was interesting, really, on, on two accounts, about um, the use of virus total to kind of essentially, I guess, do some passive reconnaissance on some of these bad boys on the interwebs. And um, the guy is talking about how he believes he saw, um, you know, the threat group comment crew developing and testing different types of malware. And I think what I found was interesting is not so much that, you know, you could you could look at obviously the testing that's being done and try and put, you know, one on one together and I guess get two, but perhaps he perhaps he didn't. You know, he can't be hundred percent sure. But I guess it surprised me more that some of these these groups are actually using things like Virus Total to do that testing. Like, why aren't they just gone out and bought, you know, or acquired, you know, A V products from all these vendors themselves and made their own little virus total to do a test on as opposed to using a public or you know subscription based depending on what version they're using you know AV checker just seems yeah. odd to me it does I mean this stuff has been discussed for years I mean you've had people from the Metasploit team saying don't upload your your modules to to virus total for years so you'd expect the the, the bad guys to really think oh wait a minute I shouldn't upload my shit no, I should uh, I should have it all in-house Plus, to be honest, if they're doing this kind of targeted stuff, why are they interested in how 42 antiviruses detect their stuff? If they're doing really good targeted attacks yeah, against people... They already, they already know the AV product exactly. in, in the organization. So they it's just like, you know it's semantic. One license. You, know, <laughs> exactly. you know it's semantic, and you know on the gateway they've got McAfee, or you're on the gateway they've got whatever. You know. uh, so you, you have two very specific targets you're going for, so you make sure that those two are in the lab, and you make sure you can get past both of those. Yeah. I guess... For, just, just for interest, well, can I get past all 42 of them? Okay, great. But if you only need to get past two, and those are the ones you're targeting, why are you even bothering to test against all the other antiviruses? Because you can just use Cuckoo to actually set up the environment for you, like I said, offline. So. And the main thing, obviously, we know, or everyone knows, you know, that it's being shared with the vendors, because yeah. you know, that's what it's there for. So why would you tip your hand? That's, that's what makes... No sense. Why are you going to tip your hand? It isn't really going to cost that much to set up the environment. Like Chris said, you know, the maximum you're probably going to have five products. You know, if someone's using like a multi-layer gateway solution, but they seem not to want to do that. So maybe that makes us. Maybe we're the fools. Perhaps you think these groups are more sophisticated than they actually are if they're doing that. They're they're only as sophisticated as they need to be. Simple as that. If they can, if they do what they do, and they can get away with it, then they're going to do it. I mean, there's no point in being better than you need to be. It's 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 like if you're if you're doing a penetration test against a company and you go in and you're super sneaky and you exploit everything you get shell but you're going really quiet and really low and you know there is no way in hell they're ever going to detect you then you're doing your client a disservice you know at some point you need to to get louder and louder and see 
at what point the client says, aha, I've caught you. And then you say, okay, well, this is how loud I needed to be so you could catch me. This is how quiet I was when I came in. This is what you need to detect. You know, and APT is just exactly the same. You know, they're only as, as quiet and sneaky as they need to be. And to be honest, half most of the companies are just too stupid to realize they're being attacked. I wasn't really impressed with your Alan Partridge impression there. Uh-huh. Oh, back of the net. <laughs> That's better. Yes. Bangkok Ladyboys. Yeah, Talking anyway. Bangkok Ladyboys. Look at the Bangkok Ladyboys. <laughs> tool of the week. We have to we have to have beef as a tool of the week because, well, anti-snatcher, beef. Go and play with it. Play with your beef. That's all I'm saying. Get your beef out. But Get your beef out. Don't, don't put a hook in your beef. You are the meat. Don't don't hook don't hook your beef. Yeah, like use beef games. use beef as you hook. And I'm getting hungry again now. Please, oh god. <laughs> your bedtime. You should eat so late, Chris. Oh god. Yeah. Tell me about it. Anyway, cock of the week. Cock of the week. Goes to talk about fish. Well, women showing the fishy flaps everywhere. Um, the guy from CNN um, thinks that um, 4chan is a bloke. Or a woman. Let's not be sexist. That's what, that's what the teleprompter told him. Yeah, and it's just it's like so. the notorious hacker, 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> we should have spoken about this, shouldn't we? I guess we, uh, we should. We should do it now. And uh, what about? But no, everyone and their mother-in-law is talking about the iCloud, iCloud thing. It's just. But isn't what? this the most ridiculous? I don't even know why this is a discussion. I th- I think it was more of I think the. The whole surrounding thing was more interesting. The whole kind of, well, why would you take naked snapshots and upload them to iCloud anyway? Well, they didn't. They probably took naked they snapshots. They took them on their phone and they didn't realise they had iCloud. didn't realise they had iCloud up, up, uploading everything. Well, just don't take naked naked photos. Fuck off. Exactly. <laughs> this is my point. It's like you took I'm sorry. So It's like people who say, well, just uninstall Java. It's like, have you ever worked in a large company? Just uninstall <laughs> Java? What the fuck have you been smoking? <laughs> It's like, yeah, well, just don't take naked pictures or yeah. just use a Polaroid camera. That might that right. be better. But, you know, there's been a lot of victim hating on this one. Yeah. 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 I like some of the comments from some celebrities like, oh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy looking at the pictures of me and my husband whilst we were on a holiday or something. And I'm thinking like most people are going, yeah, did actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice, actually. Yeah. Thanks for taking them. Saw a nipple. Saw a nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Still. Come on. The Internet's full of porn. No one cares. Get over it. Yeah. So they'll be forgotten within the next week or so anyway. But the best thing is, though, talking about passwords, the guy, supposed to be an expert, says the way to make a complex password is leet speak it. So take the word password and put dollar signs instead of S's. Yeah, that's on no uh, password list I've ever seen. Yeah. It, you know. Like password advice straight from 1994. <laughs> yeah, from 4chan himself. 4chan, the notorious <laughs> hacker. Yeah. yeah, what was kind of interesting, though, is... Um, that uh, 4chan have actually now implemented DMCA takedown. Yes. Stuff. Yes, they've gone clean. Hello? Oh, you're all dead. 5chan. 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 The notorious hacker, 5chan. <laughs> <laughs> Known to be uh, loosely linked with 4chan. Yes. So, that's it. We got some feedback. The feedback section, in, we don't have any feedback. Um, so. Well, you said we got some feedback. You got my hopes up there no 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 we have a section on feedback to say if you don't give us feedback we're going to say the same shit at the end of every episode to give us feedback yeah I think, we, I think we did get some feedback didn't we I don't know if we did we ignored it I'm sorry I think we got some for, for feedback on the Twitters I think someone was uh, talking about your your wrist or was it your ankle I, they were all the same to me yeah I fell off a ladder um, for people who don't know um, and um, 
Yeah. Why? Well, you know, because I thought, why not? Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to what go. What are you doing the on the ladder, Chris? <laughs> Taking um, pictures of naked celebrities. I was, <laughs> I was trying to brute force iCloud. Um, trying to get into the cloud. Are you? Trying to get into the cloud. I was thinking, if there's a cloud anywhere, it's got to be in my loft. And I was up, I was up there, and it wasn't. It really wasn't. It was so, a green cloud. So I. What did, what did you find in there? No, it's mostly empty. It was a spider, wasn't it? And the spider made you jump like a girl, and you fell down it the hook. Was a spider. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, I was basically I I was depressed, and I decided that I would leap from my loft ladder. Um, I figured out. Oh, hang on, mate. This is a call for help. <laughs> it's a call. For, it's a cry for help. It's a cry Quick, for check help. check Chris's iCloud. There might be a, a news picture that you know a bad video that gone wrong. Uh, I'm trying to upload naked pictures to iCloud, and it keeps crashing for some reason. <laughs> You with the rope out. <laughs> Swinging the yeah. wind. Me and my pet snake. <laughs> so yeah, if you have any feedback, death threats, questions, or other comments, then feel free to email us at feedback at eurotrashsecurity.eu. Um, feel free yeah, to leave... Please rate us. Yeah, rate us high. Rate us on iTunes. Five stars is appreciated. If you give us 4.9, then we'll send Ben round to your house. I'll give you uh, hugs and kisses. Yeah, you don't want that, trust me. Um, leave, you can leave comments on our SoundCloud page, which is where you should go for all of your up-to-date Eurotrash news, I guess. And um, we're on the Twitters, Eurotrash Security. So tweets us, you know. Hashtag. We just Do you have suggestions yeah. for future episodes, guests, or have topics you want covered? Please email us. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. So, Ben, take us out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Time for beer. Beer and pizza. Beer o'clock. See you, see you all at BrewCon. Well, or 44Con. Yeah. All the important people will be there. Yes, I will. You're everywhere. <sighs> yes, I am. You're like I, a dirty rash. Are you trying to say I get around? <laughs> yes. I do. Oh, hang on. I just, I just realised something. What? You you've are, got, you are got, going to BrewCon. No. Oh. You've got people in your loft. Because, you know, the old Austrians just keep them in the cellar. But you, you're wise to that. Shh. Now the police are going to be around again. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. It's been fun. Thank you very much. And we will see you um, next month. Possibly. Maybe. Bye. <laughs> Run of a bath and then knock one out. With your webcam. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, if, you, if you're interested, I'll be on, uh, I'll, I'll be on Flickr later.